That's a powerful hymn. <clears throat> We're going to read from the Word of God, First Peter. And we're going to read from verse 13 to the end of the chapter, though we're looking only at um, several verses here. But this is the word of God. First Peter chapter one, verses 13 and following. Hear God's word. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially, according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This is God's word. Please have a seat. I want to tell you something. Um, when I was growing up, I was walking down the main street of my hometown. And I found a $20 bill on the ground. $20 bill. Now, I thought about all the uh, toy soldiers I could buy and all the cap rolls of caps for my cap gun. And I thought about the candy I could buy. And uh, so I took it to my mom and... Uh, she said, you got to take it down to the police station and they'll tell you if somebody lost a $20 bill. So I took it to the officer and he said, I'll hold on to it for a couple of weeks. And if nobody claims it, it's yours. Now, that 
which I did get, um, and I had to put in my savings account. <laughs> so much for buying candy. Um, uh, that twenty dollars would have been gone because the toy soldiers would have gotten lost in my sandbox, and the cap, uh, the roll of caps would have gotten shot up, and all the candy would have gotten eaten. I probably got sick from all the candy I would have bought. Um, but there's one thing that you will never, never lose, and that your hope in Jesus. Because Jesus' precious blood is more valuable than finding $20 or $100 or all the candy in the world or whatever. Um, the precious blood of Jesus is what saves us. And you can talk to your mom uh, and dad about that. Because they'll tell you about just what Jesus did. So we're going to pray that God can help us all remember that and always believe that. Okay, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit uh, would write upon our hearts your truth. Because your truth is our only refuge. We, we feel our sins sometimes. We feel uh, how we've... Um, We've not been what you called us to be. And we can think of times this past week and today when we have been going our own way. But you, Lord God, are our hope. And so we come to you because you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, work in us faithfully. Please work faithfully by your word and the Spirit today, now. Uh, cause this word to be planted in our hearts and us to love our Savior and treasure him more than ever, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've seen um, Peter Jackson's second episode of uh, The Hobbit, you remember there's a scene where, where Bilbo Baggins is in uh, Smog's cave. Smog is the... Uh, great dragon and in the cave and the cave had been carved out by dwarves and so it's it's vast there are rooms and rooms and rooms and every room is filled with treasure that smog has collected because he goes in and destroys things and collects the treasure and then he sits on it he spreads out on it he sleeps on it it's his his bed and there are mountains, mountains, mountains of treasure. Gold and jewels and, and silver and crowns and everything. All kinds of treasure. Now, Peter tells us that there's something far more precious than all the treasure that Schmog or any country, nation, person in this world has gathered. And that's the blood of Christ. We're going to look at verses 19 and 20 as we prepare for the Lord's Supper right now. Now, if you think about what he's written, he's talked in verse 17 about the time of exile. And he's talked about in the first verses about the exile that they've had from all kinds of places to come together in their, their, uh, elect exiles. They're elect exiles from all over. But they're exiles in this world because their real home is heaven. 
And because they're exiles, they don't fit in. Just like we sometimes feel like we don't fit in. We say, this world's going one way and I want to go another way. And so all kinds of things are happening to him. Oppression by the government that he'll talk about. Unequally yoked marriages where women are married to un, uh, non-Christian men and that's creating problems in their lives. Uh, where slaves have to figure how to live. All sorts of things are happening to them. And everybody, everybody is struggling with sin. Because sin like Calvin talks about, comes when we're born into this world. We're born fallen. We have original sin. And then we add to that daily our own sin. And they're struggling just like we struggle with sin. Now the treasures of gold and silver can't do anything for the heart. They can buy momentary pleasure, cap guns, and caps and candy, but they can't do anything for the heart. Uh, we can't buy love for one another. No matter how much we purchase, we know that that love is fake, phony, if it's not from the heart. And we certainly can't buy holiness. No matter how much we pay for it, we can't buy holiness. Now, look what he says here in verses uh, 18 and 19. Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Now, we don't think of silver or gold as perishable, but that's what they are because they're of this world. And you put enough pressure on them and they're going to be destroyed. And that's what's going to happen. And we can trust in all kinds of things in this world. Hope in our good health. And that can be taken away. Hope in our jobs. We can lose those jobs. Hope in our families. And we can lose the families. Uh, hope in our secure living situation. And that can go in a minute. All these things can be gone quickly and we can be driven to the fact that we have only God. We talked about that in Sunday school that we have only God to look to and so we only have him to trust in. How do we come to him? We come through the blood of Christ. Now blood in our culture is oftentimes a, re a repulsive thing. When you have accidents they usually cover the face with some kind of blackout thing of a of somebody critically wounded or injured in a car accident, mangled in that accident. And they want to hide that because we don't want to see what's happened. And we appreciate those people, the EMTs, who have to work on, on accident victims or victims of uh, some kind of shooting. Um, medics in the field have to go through awful... Uh, training to go through uh, and prepare them for facing the blood that comes suddenly on the battlefield. Uh, those things remind us that blood is something we, we, we turn away from, we just don't want to think about. 
uh, even having our blood drawn. We're uh, reluctant to have our blood drawn sometimes. So all those things uh, show us that blood is, is looked at in our culture in certain ways. And when Christians talk about the blood of Christ, it seems so old-fashioned, old-time stuff. That's fire and brimstone stuff for you guys to talk about the blood of Christ. And yet here it is in Scripture, the blood of Christ. We see it all over the place, and we'll see in a few minutes all the places that it's mentioned, or some of the places that it's mentioned. But the gospel's message is that nothing but the blood of the Son of God can save us. Nothing that we do can save us except the blood of the Son of God. So we're going to look at these two verses in three ways. If you're taking notes, first of all, the blood is precious because of whose blood it is. The blood is precious because of whose blood it is. Secondly, the blood is precious because of those for whom it was shed. The blood is precious because of those for whom the blood was shed. And third, the blood is precious because of what it accomplishes. The blood is precious because of what it accomplishes. Now you can guess a lot of this. First of all, the blood is precious because of whose blood is it? It's innocent blood. Jesus was innocent. He was innocent of all sin. He's called the spotless lamb. He was willing to become sin to save us, but he was innocent. Now, life is precious. Blood is precious. God says repeatedly in the Old Testament, life is in the blood. And he made people precious, all people precious, by man. If man sheds man's life, then man has to pay for it because man's blood is precious. Man is precious. But here, Peter is talking about the background of the Passover. It's the Paschal Lamb that he's thinking about from Exodus 12. The Lamb had to be perfect. It couldn't have any defect. Every lamb had to be inspected. And if there was a bent leg, if there was an injured ear, if the lamb had a mark on it in any way, that lamb was rejected from being a Passover lamb. Peter said that Jesus Christ had not one flaw. Now think of that. Not one flaw. Peter had lived with Jesus for three years. Now, if you live with somebody even two days, you begin to see their flaws, don't you? That happens to newlyweds. You're surprised. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know that he was the kind of guy who left the toilet seat up or she didn't put the cap on the toothpaste, whatever it may be. None of us can say that we are spotless. None of us. 
None of us can say that we don't have any stain, that there's no hidden secret flaw in us. But Peter had seen Jesus. Peter had been with him. He had seen Jesus walk and talk and meet countless people. And he could say, Jesus is without sin. Jesus is completely innocent. There's no spot in him. No trace of anything wrong. 33 years and no trace of any violation of God's law. His accusers were challenged. His accusers were challenged. Jesus said, which of you can accuse me of sin? And you know what? They were silent. They could say nothing. That was their opportunity to say, well, we saw you do this. We saw you do this. They had to bring in false witnesses in order to find him guilty. They couldn't find him guilty of a single sin. Which of us, with a spouse or with children, would have the readiness to say, just point out anything I've done wrong? Do you want to do that? Do you want to ask anybody who knows you to say, just point out anything I've done wrong? All of us would be terrified of that. Jesus had no sin. No sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. He didn't resist injustice. He didn't resist the hating, the spitting, even being nailed to a cross unjustly Jesus did not resist. He went willingly. What person has ever been so condemned and so innocent as Jesus Christ? So Jesus was innocent, but Jesus was also divine. That's what makes his blood so exceedingly precious. Now, we could find perhaps someone, maybe we say children are innocent. We know they are not. But we say children are innocent. We find, we find a little child. And that little child is just so delightful. And smiles all the time. Never causes any problem. We say how innocent that child is. But that child is not divine. Jesus was divine. His blood was innocent blood. And it was divine blood. Peter's already brought that out in numerous ways he says Jesus died and was raised verses uh, 2 and 3 that he's returning what dead person has ever returned Uh, verse 7 that he's the Messiah verse 11 that he's eternal verse 20 Jesus wasn't just an extraordinarily nice man Jesus is the second person of the blessed trinity He is God come in the flesh. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus is the creator come to dwell among us. He is the great I am. He says, I am. How many times in the gospel of John? He is the very son of God who rules over all creation. The angels worshipped him. And yet it's his blood that was shed for our sin. 
So that's the first thing we want to think about. Whose blood is it? It's innocent blood, the blood of the Son of God. It's precious also because of those for whom it was shed. Now, I tend to read a lot of military history. And one thing that happens again and again in combat situations is that those fighting are ready to die for their buddies, to do whatever has to be done to protect the life of their, their buddies, their friends. And every adult here, I bet, every adult here would be willing to protect the life of any of these children. Any of them. Whether they're our children or not, we'd be ready to do anything we had to, to protect them. And we know that in situations like the sinking of the Titanic, the captain and his officers gave up their places in the lifeboats and died. They went down with the ship because they wanted to preserve the life of as many people as possible on that ship. But that was human beings being willing to save the lives of other human beings. But when we look at the death of the Son of God, of God, he's dying for sinners, isn't he? He's dying for those who are the enemies of God. Jesus' blood is precious because it's shed for those who are rebels. Rebels against God who do everything they can to live apart from God, to say, I'm good enough, I can live without you. That's the whole point of what that passage is we read in Romans chapter 3. We have inherited an empty way of life from our fathers. That's what he says. You've been, ran you've been ransomed from the futile way inherited from your forefathers. Now, he was probably writing to Jews and those Jews would have, excuse me, probably seen the, the Pharisees and the Pharisees uh, keeping of the law as, as the way to get to God. But that's a futile way. It's a futile way. But you think of the things that we learn. We learn that you have to be nice to people. You have to be polite. You have to be civil. At least that's what I was taught when I was growing up. Maybe you weren't. I think you probably were. But Peter's thinking of the way that we learn things and those things don't save us. We do things and those things don't save us. We think that we're going to somehow do enough good things in our lives that, that people say they're good people. That's the natural way that people live, isn't it? People are constantly living by the works that they do, not by the righteousness that comes from Christ alone. We don't let anything stand in the way of our idols, do we? And our idols kill us because those idols have no power to save us. We can't substitute things like going to church and tithing and all the rest observing all kinds of rules because it's all centered on me. 
on what I can do. This is the pattern of sinful people from the Garden of Eden on. I don't need the power of God to be holy. But it's an empty way of life. It's an empty way of life inherited. And we are by nature children of wrath. So we need Christ's blood. Because it's only his blood, the preciousness of what he's done, that is our salvation. But it's not just the salvation that we're talking about. Because thirdly, the blood is precious because of what it accomplishes. Not just redemption, but far more. Now it does, re uh, uh, it does accomplish redemption. He mentions that. We are ransomed from the feudal ways. That ransom means that there is a price paid. And that price paid couldn't be any higher. That's how serious our sins are. We sang that hymn that said, You who think of sin but lightly, nor consider it its weight great or its guilt great. I can't remember the words. Silver or gold can purchase freedom from physical slavery. But what can purchase freedom from spiritual slavery? The words of Psalm 48, or excuse me, 49, say this. Truly no man can ransom another, nor give God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly, and none, and nothing can ever suffice, that man should live on forever and not see the pit. Nothing can be paid. Nothing that we do can pay to redeem our lives except the blood of the Son of God. It's a bad bargain to love the world and the things of this world and so be an enemy of God. You think of the rich man in Luke 16. The rich man had everything in this life, everything. And yet, when he got to hell, it didn't avail him a thing. He couldn't pay even for Lazarus to go up to the world and, and call his brothers and tell his brothers, avoid coming here. To be an enemy of God means you lose everything in the end. Jesus gives the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18. You know that unmerciful servant after he didn't show mercy to his fellow servant was thrown in prison until he had paid all his debt and the chilling thing that Jesus says is the king said you stay here until you've paid all the debt he's in hell he's in jail he can't pay the debt there's no way you can pay the debt so in other words he's there forever but Christ's blood delivers us from the cycle of self-righteousness from trying to be something that we're not. Christ's blood gives us true forgiveness. Being sprinkled with his blood frees us in a way that nothing we do ever 
could. The gospel of salvation is the gospel of deliverance. And we're going to come to the Lord's table. And you need to ask yourself, do I believe the gospel? Do I? Is it just I'm here because, well, you know, I've always gone to Presbyterian churches. I've had people do that. They've come to our church because they always believe Presbyterianism. So they come to our church, but they don't believe the gospel. Do you believe the Bible? That's good. But do you believe the Bible enough to say, the Bible tells me only Jesus can save me? Do you believe that? Don't come to the table if you don't believe that. If you don't believe that only Jesus Christ can save you and only his blood can pay for your sins, don't come to the table because you're looking at a righteousness that you create. It's a spider's web. It's not going to clothe you in the day of judgment. So we have to repent and trust in Christ because we are looking at redemption that's full and free and really makes us holy. You see, this redemption isn't just you get out of you get out of hell uh, a free jail get out of hell free. I'll get it right. Get out of free hell free jail card. Uh, this is the goal that God's got for us that we be a holy people. It's the context. You see the context? He says, you should be holy for I am holy. You will call on the Father who judges impartially according to each man's deeds. Conduct yourself with fear during the time of this exile knowing, you see how they're connected? You know this is true. Because you know this is true, you have the hope that you really will have the cleansing, complete cleansing that comes in Christ. The cleansing that means you're accepted in the beloved fully. I'm a big fan of um, the Mark Twain book, Tom Sawyer. Tom's asked by uh, his aunt to prepare for for, uh, dinner. Go wash yourself. (laughs) And uh, if you remember that scene, Tom goes out and he kind of wets his fingers and he sprinkles a little water on his face and sprinkles a little water on his hands. <laughs> and he goes in and his aunt looks at him. His neck's dirty and his fingers are dirty. He doesn't pass muster. There's no deep, real cleansing because that only comes through Christ. Only Christ's blood can really cleanse us and give us a holiness which is accepted by God. No one will see the Lord without the holiness that comes from Christ. Hebrews 12:14. We remember that story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. She wanted Potiphar to or she wanted Joseph to come and lay with her. And Joseph said, "How can I do this great this sin and sin against God, this great sin against God?" Now, Joseph had been mistreated. He'd been abused by his own brothers and by uh, his slave master and all the rest. He had been abused, but he remembered God. And because he remembered God's mercy, 
He said, I'm not going to sin. When we remember the blood of Christ, the precious blood of Christ, we turn from sin. We should. It convicts us when we don't. When we don't turn and when we sin, it drives us to Christ. This is what I found in my life again and again. I've said, Lord, this is why I need the precious blood of Christ because I'm not like this. I need Christ. I need the Passover lamb to be my surety, to be my hope. When Bilbo and his friends got away from Smog, Smog flew out of his cave and he began to attack. And you know what killed him in the end? One arrow. One sin will take us to hell. One sin. What are we going to do? It's the precious blood of Christ or nothing else. That's it. If you fall short in pursuing holiness, is Christ your trust? That he will redeem you. That he's going to do everything. And this is what what Calvin's prayer said. Did you catch that? He said, until we attain to that true and perfect purity, which is laid up for us in your only begotten son, when we shall be fully united to him, having been transformed into that glory into which he has been received. Christ will take us and he will transform us. The blood of Christ is precious because it's innocent blood, it's divine blood, it's precious because uh, it was shed for sinners and it's precious because it not only relieves us from sin, but it makes us holy. The angel of death passes over our door and we live because of what Christ has done. The book of Revelation delights in this. Chapter 1, verse 5, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Chapter 7, verse 14, these are those coming out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Chapter 12, verse 11. And believers have conquered Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The precious blood of Christ. Precious to us. Let's pray. Lord God in heaven, we're about to receive the Lord's Supper. And you know what's in our hearts. Oh God in heaven, we tremble to come because we know what kind of sinners we are. And yet we also know that this meal is for sinners. It's for those who have no other hope except Jesus and come in him. Gladly and willingly come with trust. We come with trust and hope in Jesus because of his precious blood shed for us. Help us to be faithful witnesses not ashamed, not ashamed to say, 
it's the precious blood of christ that you need we pray in jesus name amen